Sunday school. Make your way to your class now. Those of you that are here in the adult class, get your Bibles. I'll quickly get into the word of the Lord today. Sister Beth, have with me Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. I'm going to scatter through there, but I need you as media to bring back up 11 and 12 when we get done reading the text and have it on the board for me continually. And we're going to go verse by verse. Don't, don't let it leave the screen. Luke 15, verse 11. certain man had two sons. Two sons. Younger of them said his father, Give me portion of the goods that falleth to me. And he divided them unto his living. Verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's house? Bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. <clears throat> Skip over to verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. <clears throat> Skip down to verse 25. Now the elder son was in the field and as he came, he drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. He called one of his servants and asked what things meant. And he said, Thy brothers come, thy father killed the fatted calf, because he received him safe and sound. He was angry, he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Skip down to verse 31. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. I want to preach today. A simple thought, when God changes the label. When God changes the label. If you would, lift your hands and ask God to talk to us today. We lift our hands as a sign of submission. That's not aerobics or calisthenics. It's us just surrendering to God, saying, God, speak to me today. I open my heart. I let down every guard. I let down every wall. God, speak to me from the pure pages of the word of God into my heart and my spirit. Lord, I pray for a special anointing to move on all of us as your people. Let your word, God, do what's intended it to do. Cut and divide, joint and marrow, soul and spirit and discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let it be done today and your will be done. We ask you in the name of Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. This story is a common from the title or the, the verbiage of the prodigal. The word prodigal is not in the Bible. It's nowhere in the pages of the Bible. But it is the common term that is used to denote this story. The word prodigal means one that has been given great resources but has recklessly squandered them away. That's the definition of a prodigal. They have been given something and then they recklessly abused it and squandered it away. Notice that in, this, in the Bible, in the scripture text that we read, I'm going to tell you my point, my target from the very beginning. Normally I, I wait to the, to the latter part. But I want you to be on page with me as we go piece by piece through this story. The difference between a prodigal and a son. The prodigal was the label given to this story by man. Man labeled this story and this boy by what he did. But what I tried to bear out from the very beginning of this message is there was a father that had two sons. And when I read through the pages as I did intermittently today, 
you see that the father nowhere calls the boy by what he had done, but the father calls him by what he is, a son. And many times we get so caught up in labeling people by what they've done. But if you can ever get a revelation of God, don't label people by what they've done. He labels people by who they are. You and I are a son of God from the very first time we took our breath. We were part of creation. And when God filled you and I with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we were baptized in Jesus' name, it brought us into the kingdom and the fruition and fulfillment of sonship. God doesn't look at the label that we put on people. But churches, individuals, we label people by their mistake. Come on, let's get honest from the very beginning. You don't ever label people typically by the good, rarely. It's typically by what they did. Oh, well, that's that old drunk. That's that old, that, 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 that's that adulterer. That's that one that always gossips. That's that one that always, and we're labeled by what people know we did. But what I want to pull the veil off today is I want somebody to see that that may be how man labels you. Man may label you as a wreck. Man may label you as a, a misfit. Man may label you as, as something that's messed up time and time again. But you need to hear me. God's not looking at your behavior. Yeah, you're going to be accountable, but that's what repentance is for. But today in this service, he's looking at sons, and he's looking at daughters, and he's telling somebody in this building, I'm not looking at the label. I'm looking at what I created you for. I created you to be a worshiper. I created you to be a praiser. I created you to be my son. And sometimes we can't get over the label that people put on us. We can't get over the label that our parents put on us or a family member put on us or a community put on us or a church put on us. God forbid that, but it's true. You're labeled as this. Well, that's Kyle, the son of. You're labeled by what your daddy did, what your grandpa was. You're labeled by the, the misnomer. And if you're not careful, you buy into the label that people put on you. This was the story of a father that had two sons. Go to verse 12. But one of those sons, watch how this story unfolds and, and the road that both traveled. But watch how the father addresses both of them. One, the younger, wakes up and he says, hey, I want my inheritance. He says, I want what's coming to me. Go to the next verse and I'll explain these two. The younger son was going to his father and saying, I want everything that's mine because according to Jewish history and Jewish law, the father was going to pass it down to the elder. He was going to get two-thirds inheritance. The younger get a third. But the younger was coming, and according to the law, 
it said that the father didn't even have to die to give the inheritance. The father was well within his reins to give the boy what he was asking according to Jewish law. It goes further to state that as long as the father was alive, that boy or both of those boys could not evict the father. He was acting uh, what you'd call over a, a document or something. He, he, he was the, the legislator. He, he legislated the estate as long as he was alive. That just in case one of the boys or both of the boys went haywire, went crazy, they couldn't come back and kick daddy off the land. As long as daddy was alive, he was still part of the house and part of the estate. But this younger one came to him and said, I want my part. In essence, what the younger boy was saying, and this is what was so shocking about this story, for him to presuppose and be presumptuous in his uh, uh, request to the father, what he was saying and what shocked the readers of this story according to Jewish history was, he was saying to the daddy I wish you were dead what he was saying to the daddy and the father of the house I'm tired of the laws of the house I'm tired of the rules of the house. I wish you would just go away. I'm tired of being under your authority. I'm tired of living the way you want me to live. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to some backslider right now. I'm tired of living like the way they tell me to live in Pentecost. I'm tired of living like they tell me to live in Christianity. I'm tired of a bunch of do's and don'ts, and I just wish you would die and go away that I can do my own thing. And right then, you got a label. Well, that son's rebellious. That daughter rebellious that family's rebellious but I'm here to pull that label off by the help of the Holy Ghost there's hope for you and I regardless of what you've done there's still an answer that you can still be the son that would make your father proud you don't think there was disappointment in daddy how could you ask this how could you ask this of me why would you disrespect me so by asking me for something it's not time for you to get? I just wish you would get out of my way because you're the mountain that's hindering my progress. What is it in me and your life that we so, so many times we get tripped up with? It becomes the mountain of our life. It's the obstacle that sometimes we can't, uh, we can't overcome. We can't get over. I can't get over yesterday's hurt. I can't get over the, 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 the mischief. I, I wish we could sit down with daddy. There ain't no mention of mama, but I wish mama and daddy could sit down with me and tell me a little bit about the home. Tell me a little bit about what's going on in the house. What brought this boy to this place? What brought this boy? and what brought the elder brother the same because they both had issues the elder brother was lost in the house and the younger brother was lost out of the house so it don't matter younger or old it don't matter what you've done the label gets stuck on you because it's the world we live in but regardless of what they say all that matters is what does God say and if God calls you a son you don't just get cut off God keeps reaching for you and he keeps trying to help you why? because he wants the world to know this is my kid he didn't save you for inheritance he saved you for sonship he saved you because you're his son and that younger brother keep that up there he says in verse 13 and not many days 
he gathered together and took his journey to a far country. So the boy leaves in rebellion. I find it very ironic how in his thinking, all he could see, it's Jacob and Esau all over again. It's Esau all over again. All he could see is the short-sightedness of today. It's like we sang about today. He could not see that death is, is, is imminent. It's upon every individual under the sound of my voice. It's coming to every one of us. I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm trying to encourage you to understand that I can't live short-sighted. I can't look for pleasure. I can't live for pleasure today. I got to live for what God says about me and what God has for me. This boy was short-sighted. Give me now pleasure. Give me now what I want. Don't hold back from me, Daddy. Don't tell me I can't have. Don't tell me to follow some bunch of rules of the house. I'm a big boy. Don't tell me what to do. It's rampant today. Don't tell me what to do. But I can't tell you what to do. But the Word of God tells us very clear what to do. And you and I can let this mindset of this world get a hold of us. And we can maybe tell it to your, your spouse or your family, your mama, your daddy, your aunt, your uncle, or your preacher. You can tell all of us. I do, don't tell me what to do. But I'm telling you one thing. There's coming a day you're going to meet the Lord and he's going to open that book, Brother Fontenot. And he's going to say, I told you what to do. I told you how to respond. I told you what would take for be sonship. And yet you still, this was the mindset of that boy. This was his arrogance and pride that was lifted up and said, I don't need none of this. Next verse. And he takes off. And when he had spent all, notice, when he got down to nothing, the famine came. There's a famine coming to every one of our lives. Every one of us. There's going to be dry seasons in marriage. There's going to be dry seasons in relationships. There's going to be dry seasons in your prayer. There's going to be dry seasons in your relationship with God. Can you maintain an understanding? I'm still a son when it's dry. I'm still a son when I'm going through a rough time. See, he's forgetting all of this stuff. He's going down a road and there's a famine and it's dry and it's empty and he's alone. Some things that happen to us ain't the devil. It's God allowing us to just express out what was really there all along. There's a difference. This boy expresses it out. The elder brother just keeps silent in the house, but he's lost. He's lost. He's there and got everything to his benefit. He's got everything that he would need in the house. The only difference is he doesn't have hunger. This younger boy's fixing to have hunger. The older one in the house has no pain. He's just in the house following the rules like a robot. You see both sides of the coin? And what I'm trying to help somebody understand, you're not a robot and you're not rebellious. God's trying to show you you're a son before you were ever either one of those. And he goes to a far country and there's a famine and he begins to want, next verse, 
And when he had spent all, and when he went, he joined himself to a citizen of the country. He sent him into the fields to feed the swine. Notice what the boy does. He's finding comfort nowhere, Brother Roger. He's realizing, I spent all of my inheritance. I have no more gas in my tank. I have no more uh, thing to, to provide. I am totally empty. So what he does is, is he yokes himself with somebody. They say it's a Gentile. This is very important because this is re he is preaching to Jews. And he connects himself to a Gentile. What he's trying to say is this young boy got so bad off. He started associating with people that he would have never associated with before. Anybody seeing our track record before we came to God? We associated with people we should have never associated before. We got with people that we should have never ran with before. If it's not a good influence, I got to get out of the relationship. And this boy associates and watch what the, the man does. Next verse. He goes to feed the swine. And he would have feigned, have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did that word husk, it's where we get a word, fodder, pig fodder. You ever hear a preacher say, I'm not giving you fodder? That's where it all comes from. This ain't just preacher fodder. Preacher fodder is him just kind of rambling on something that ain't nothing. Don't mean anything. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Bushnell. Just kind of rambling. Zip it. Get to the point. Fodder was where they get a Greek word. I'm going to bounce all over. Greek, but the original was Hebrew and the Hebrew word was spelled C-H-A-R-O-B and what this word means husk it's the pod of this carob tree a pod of a carob tree very important I'm not just giving you geographic and horticulture here or horticulture what do you call them plant loving people yeah I'm talking to you mom he said it's a pod it's of a tree, and here's the thing about it. You only, or majority of the use back then, you took the pod and you fed it to animals. Or, in extreme cases, it was fed to the poor. And it even said that only because of extreme measures of desperation would a human eat this it was fed to the pigs because that's what it was supposed to do it was not supposed to be for him and many times we live with things that we don't have to live with I'm trying to help somebody understand something here if you're in the pig's pen and you're eating the cherub pot of a cherub tree you don't have to eat it. You don't have to eat. It's not made for you. And another unique thing is, is that Hebrew word C-H-A-R-E-B for the pod of a cherub tree. Many Jewish writers would use a play on words because the same or close to the same word is the same word used in the Hebrew in Isaiah 1 and 20 when he says sword. 
Sword is spelt in the Hebrew Latin C-H-A-R-O-B. One letter off and many times they use it to denote the same. Sword and the P. Pod, cherub tree. Why? And this is what those Jewish writers would say. Because many times when you are full with provision, you don't need God. And many times God has to allow you and I to go down. Why didn't the father go chasing after the boy? He didn't. God will not chase after a rebellious son or rebellious daughter. God will stay in the father's house and wait till we come to our senses. But in the meanwhile, somebody needs to hear me today. Daddy's back up at the house, and he's got some fixings for you, and he's got some bread for you, and he's got a position for you at the seat of sonship, and you don't have to stay back there and keep eating things that was designed for the pigs. We don't have to. We choose to. That boy chose to eat. And the rest of that Jewish writing and understanding of that scripture between Isaiah 1 and 20 and Jesus' writing is this. He said, so because you're full of provision and you're not desperate for God, he says, I will allow something to happen that brings the sword into your life. A sword will begin to cut and separate. The word of God says it's sharp and powerful. Two-edged sword. Cutting and dividing. Joint and marrow. Soul and spirit. Discerner of the thoughts and sins of the heart. Sometimes the only thing that will get me to come, Brother Mike, to live for God is a sword from God's word comes and gets me to my senses. And realize eternity's long and, and, and time is short. We get it reversed and think that eternity's short and time is long. But we got to understand, God has got a position for you and I at the table as sons now. And he's got an eternal table that he wants you and I to be with then. And I can't let anything or anybody's label stop me from living for God. I'm going to live for God whether you're here or not. I'm going to live for God whether my wife does or not. I'm going to live for God whether Brother Bushnell does or not. Why? Because I'm a son. And I can't ever forget, God don't ever give up on me. We give up on ourselves. We put our own label on ourselves. Well, daddy was this way. Daddy was an abuser. Daddy was a drunk. Mama was an abuser. Mama was a drunk. And you put a label on yourself. Well, I'm going to be just like my daddy. That's why I've got these inclinations. That's why I'm so angry. That's why I'm so mad all the time. That's why, I'm, that's why I do what I do. That's why I've got substance abuse problems because my daddy did it, so now I got it. Somebody needs to hear me today. When you were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you spoke with other tongues and baptized in Jesus' name, everything your daddy did is broken. That familiar spirit's broken. That generational curse is broken. Whatever came from him, you're a new man. You're a new creature. You're a son and a daughter in God. You can do whatever God ask you to do regardless of who your family was or what mom and daddy did and he ate 
the husk, the cherub, the, the carob tree, however they pronounce it, C-A-R-E-O-B. You were never supposed to eat this. And I tell you and I again, it was never God. People have said before, I've heard them say this over and over. Well, man, if things are so bad, why, why is sin in the picture? Why is all this in the picture? Why, why, why did we do all this? I'll tell you, people, why do bad things happen? Let me help somebody. The issue in our life today is because of sin. We don't have to give the devil credit. It's sin. And sin has caused these, to ha- these things to happen to our families. Families are broke up. Families are abused. Families are all messed up. Why? Because of sin. You say, well, why didn't God stop it? God's not going to stop it until we come to our senses. Trying to teach and help somebody understand something. Because we're still mad at God because God didn't stop my mom and daddy from divorcing. I'm mad at God because God didn't stop the physical abuse or the sexual abuse or the mental abuse or the verbal abuse. Why didn't God stop it? I was just a kid. That's not fair. All these things, God should have stepped in and killed them. But God didn't. And now I'm mad at God. And I'm mad at them. Hear me. Sin did that. And the only thing that can fix it is you and I realizing I'm a son. And God wants me to be well. God wants me to be healed in my mind. God wants me to be restored in my spirit. God wants me to have a proper place by him. That's why I tell you're not a misfit. You're not a mess up. You're not a reject. You're not a dysfunction. You're a child of God that he's looking for. Next verse. So he ate and watch. Now here's the kicker. And when he came, now now here's the, I'm going to back up and come back. The Bible says that the boy wasted. I felt the Lord whisper this to my spirit this morning, early. He wasted it. He wasted everything. People, under the sound of my voice, me included, how many things have I wasted? I've wasted time. Come on, just get honest. I've wasted time, Brother Bushnell. I kick myself. Why didn't I live for God from a young person? Why didn't I do like her? Live for God since I was a beginning instead of all the junk that's in my head now. From all the stupid movies I saw and all the stupid things I took. Why? I wouldn't have all that mess in my head. I wonder why I'm so crazy. Blame it on Hollywood. You can't watch The Exorcist and think you're okay. You can't watch all these weird devil-possessed stuffs and think, that's cool, man. I did. I was like, man, I could sick that on somebody. (laughs) Sick that devil on them. You can't, man. It messes up your mind. It gives you a jaded look to the supernatural. Thank God I got a pastor that can kind of come down and go, no, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't think it like that. And I had men that would help me that ultimately I get to the place. What are you talking about, Benoit? Here's what I'm talking about. My mind had to be renewed, Brother Bushnell. See, my mind had to be fixed because of all the stuff. And God came down and said, you see, this is what's so hard for us to believe. Do you believe God can heal your mind? I'm a living testimony. God don't say nothing right now. God can heal my mind. My mind's healed. He can heal our mind. Why? Because here's the boy. The boy went out. He wasted his time. 
How many of us have wasted time? We've wasted our life. How many of us would look back and go, man, I wish I'd have been doing this along. Man, I wish I would have done this. Man, I wish I'd have prayed a little bit harder, a little bit longer, a little bit more intense. I wish, God, and I'm not saying the regret becomes the weapon, but yet we've wasted it all. So it don't matter who you are if we've left in rebellion and we wasted everything we got. God still is sitting at the house saying, my boy's coming home. My boy's coming home. My son's going to be with me. I'm not going to label him as rebellious. I'm not going to label him as a misfit. I'm not going to label him as somebody with a problem and needs psychiatric help. He's my son. And if he'll come home, I can hear his mind. I can heal his family. I can heal his body. He wasted it. Wasted it all. But God still. That's why there's hope. Dad. There's hope. You and I'm going to pick on you brother Mike. You and my dad. There's hope. That's why I say Roy Nixon ain't here. Roy Nixon, God's going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. I don't care. God's God in the name of Jesus. Whatever you got to do. I can't give it to him. But I'm going to believe with every vein in my body till they pop. Why? Because we need more Roy Nixon, C.J. Benwells, and Mike Morgans sitting on a pew saying, I might have made some mistakes, but I'm in daddy's house. Everything going to be all right. I made it to daddy's house, brother Mike. We made it home. That if God called me and you tomorrow, we've got a sweet assurance. God's on my side. And I'm going to walk with Jesus on the other side. Why? I've repented of my sins. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost and I've been baptized in the name of Jesus I don't know about you but that's just exciting how yeah. sister cat fact that I don't have to worry about all yeah sure the devil comes in with that old regret beats us up boy you should have boy you could have boy you missed it you know what I do now dad I turn and go yep but you know what I'm in the house I'm in the house. We should have been dead and gone. Some of you right now, you're on the verge of being dead and gone. You ought to lift your voice right now and declare, I'm still here. Devil tried to take you out. You're still here. Heart attack tried to take you out. You're still here. You almost lost your mind. You're still here. He said, and when he came to himself, you know what the word when he came to himself, what it means? One is repent. But the deeper meaning of that is in the earliest translations, he came back home. Now watch this. In his mind, he already made the turn, even though his body didn't. See, that don't do nothing for y'all because y'all been saved since Moby Dick was a minna. But for me, it helped me understand when I mess up, I got to somehow get my mind going in that direction before my body ever gets going. I begin to think I'm going home. I'm going to please God. I'm going to walk with Jesus. And if you begin to, I'm going back to the house before long. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It comes out of the heart first. I'm coming home before long. You're going to begin to turn and you're going to begin to make it back. That he came to himself. He was already in his mind reflecting 
And the rest of the scripture bears witness. How many hired servants? He's already thinking in his mind what it's like at daddy's house. I'm trying to get somebody to understand it ain't that hard to get the Holy Ghost. It's You're not joining a church. You're not joining a membership. You're joining the kingdom of God and becoming what you already were, a created vessel for his glory. He's going, oh, the servant's at the house. He's thinking back. And watch what he says. And this is the biggest part of the whole message. He goes, there's bread in that house. Notice the first verse, the verse before that I gave you sword, Isaiah 1 and 20. Sword connected to the husk. What he's using is this situation was like a sword. It was cutting him. He now looks at it and goes, do I either stay here and keep getting cut or do I go home and eat bread? The word of God can be two things to you. It's either going to be bread to the hungry or sword of separation for the lost. It's your choice. You can either come and eat all the bread you want or God's going to keep letting hell and problems and situations and all these issues, health infirmity, family problems, he's going to keep letting you bombarded with it. Why? Because he cares more to save you and I. And the boy says, I don't have to keep getting cut. I can go to daddy's house and here it is. And he says, why do I have to be hungry? Here it is. Here's the the, the parallel between the two brothers. And I'm coming to a close here in a minute. This boy, it took trauma to get him hungry. The elder brother lived in the house and never got hungry. And where there's no hunger, when the young boy says, I'm getting up and I'm heading home, Watch what happens. The elder brother has walked away. And the young boy comes in and daddy looks at the younger brother. And he reaches down to him and says, I'm going to kiss you. I hug you. He loved him. He put his head on his shoulder. Said, come on, go kill the fatted calf. And watch. And the younger boy, the older brother's out in the field. And the younger boy's home because of hunger. Almost titled this, The Difference in Hunger. There's different levels. And this boy was at crisis and hunger brought him home to say, rip the label off. I'm still a son. If you can get today, God still believes in you and and wants to do something in your life. That's the hunger that can rip the label off. But the other side of that coin was an elder brother that the younger one was in the house with daddy. And the Bible says there was music and dancing. For all those that think church should be dead, you need to rip that out of the Bible. Because in daddy's house, there's music and there's dancing and there's worshiping. Watch me. And the elder brother had a problem with the music and the dancing and celebration. Why? Where there's no hunger, you're jealous, angry, and resentful. So if you're dealing with anger and jealousy and resentment, question the level of the hunger. It don't have to be you going down to a pig pen for you and I to get hunger. I wish the elder brother in the house would have maintained a hunger and relationship saying, Daddy, I'm glad to be in your house. I thank you that you ever chose me. Hey, we're going to keep praying for brother. We're going to keep praying for that younger one. Daddy, the younger boy is going to come home. 
But that elder brother, no account that he ever encouraged the father. No account did he ever pray for the brother. All he was was a spectator. And when you spectate, there's no hunger. One of two things. You either head into a pig pen or you and I can begin to look and say, hey, I'm in the house. I don't have to go through all of that. I don't have to go through a pig pen moment. I'm going to be a praiser, a worshiper. I'm going to develop relationship with daddy in the house. Go to the second to last verse, Sister Beth, and I close. Musicians, come. I'm done. I'm reading these two and I'm done. And he said unto him, here it is. Here's the, Brother Bush, when I saw this, I was so excited. Because we've preached this. The elder brother was lost in the house. The younger brother was lost out of the house. The younger brother's the one that gets all the attention. Hence, prodigal. He was rebellious. He was mean. We never focus on the deadbeat in the house. Come on, let's get honest. We never focus on the one in the house that's always with daddy but yet is just dead. They're both dead. So if you're dead on the pew in the house or you're rebellious out of the house... That scripture gives hope to all of us. The daddy looked at the older brother, the one that was dead and was mad because all the worship and the prayer, all the music and all this, and he looks at him and says, Son, you're ever with me. In other words, he was a son even though he cocked an attitude and got all bent out of shape because the younger brother was getting the party and the younger brother that was rebellious. It don't matter where we are or what our position is in our heart, God still looks at you and I as a son. I'm trying to help somebody understand. Stand with me. Here's what I want you to see. That it don't matter what you wasted. It don't matter... And I say don't matter. Let, let me requalify that. It's all, we got to get it right in obedience. Y'all know that by me. Okay, you got to get it right. But I'm saying when you're in the midst of your attitudes all cross-threaded, you got in a fight with your wife, you got in a fight with your kid, you got in a fight with your dog, something, you're just fighting. And you're mad. You're mad with your job. You're mad with the neighborhood. You're mad with just, just mad. God still thinks you're a son. See, we've adopted this mindset that says, well, I messed up. I might as well just go ahead and quit. Or here's what we do. I messed up, so I might as well just not praise or worship or prayer because I'll be a hypocrite. And what God's trying to show you and I today is it don't matter what you've wasted. It don't matter what attitude you've had. God still is looking at you and I today and saying, they're my son. I love them. And I'm going to keep reaching for him. And I'm going to keep the house in order. I'm going to keep everything in place. That for when my son decides to come home, I'm going to have a banquet table set. He said, kill the fatted calf. Kill the fatted calf because my boy's coming home. Now, I'm going to open this altar here in a minute. And I'm going to do it a little different today. Before we just come, and I know some of you are so spontaneous to respond. And I thank God for that. I don't want it to ever be a locked altar. I want you to respond when you feel whether it's in the middle of the preaching. That's always in order. But today, God very clearly is speaking to somebody or somebody's. I'm still waiting at the house for you to come occupy your position. And here's what I feel. This ain't just visitors. This is saints. It's everybody, including the preacher with the mic. 
there's a position he's got at the table for us. That if we'll come and just sit with him, God has a way of kind of just taking away what we wasted and saying, I'm just so glad you're here. I'm just so glad you came. That's why I say to some visitor here today, I'm so glad you came. To some saint of God, I know you come because that's what you've always done. You're faithful. But here's the thing. God's saying even to you, I'm so glad you came. I got a higher position for you if you'll just reach for it here today. Lift your hands with me all across this building right now. I feel hunger right now. We got two types of hunger. Are we going to be hungry because of calamity and crisis? Or can we be hungry and still be in the house? And say, Daddy, I need you today. I need you today. Come on, lift your voice with me right now. Lift your voice with me right now. Talk to him. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God will fill you today. The hunger will do that. Come on, I want everybody to join, step out of that pew. Let's all come together as a family. Nobody exempt from the back to the front. This is an old-time family prayer meeting. We're going to all come together because everybody in this place have filled the blanks of this scripture today, me included. We need the gentle presence of God just to sweep over our heart to let you and I both know we're still sons. We're still sons. Come on, lift your voice with me right now. Come on, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you God gave up on you. God's quit. God, God's wrote you off. God ain't wrote nobody off. You determine whether God comes close or far. The more I open my heart, the closer he comes. If he be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. How do I lift him up? I look to him and declare him as Lord. Jesus is calling you. Come on, lift your voice with me right now. Come on, saints of God, I need some help. Rather, it comes to a, a crescendo. A, it's an open-ended verse. What I mean by this is the decision was never revealed what the elder brother did. And it was never revealed even once the boy got home, the relationship and how it happened. And many of the early writers say the reason Jesus did it like that was because he was trying to bring you in by the shocking action of both brothers and the profound love of the Father. But with one target in the end is this. You've got to make your own decision. Both of them are sons. Both of them equally messed up, in my opinion. But yet they were both called sons by the Father. And then the scripture stops for you and I now to begin to think okay Lord which one have I been which one am I and God forbid don't let me be either one but God I choose today to sit at the table with you because of all you've done for me I feel such a drawing of God's love for people here today saying yeah, you may have to deal with some of the things we've done and consequences and regrets. Sure, we all got them. But I still say I'd rather have the regrets and be with Jesus than to have the regrets and have no Jesus. 
I'd rather him and I, because he'll help me with the regrets and the things I wasted. One more time, lift your hands to the heavens. And why don't you tell him how you feel, Jesus? Be it unto me according to your word. God, I want you to help me today. I want to walk in true sonship. I want to walk in true relationship with you. Not just some denomination, religion, have to, a bunch of rules and regulations. I want to do it because I love you. And I want to be obedient to prove that love to you. In Jesus' name.